Okay, Tzoraim Tov, we continue learning the Sefer Biyam Darkecha about the month of Elul. And we're in the middle of the third chapter that is discussing kindness, judgment, and Rachman. So we're continuing with this. And the author says, as long as a person does Averos and continues to follow his Yetzirah, he will be judged with the attribute of justice because he is saying and showing with his actions that he is the one who determines his decisions. He has his own independent reality and there are realities that are better outside of Hashem, God forbid. And therefore Hashem judges him with the attribute of strict justice and he says, okay, so let's just look at what he does. And he does sins, and therefore he'll be punished. That is when strict justice is applied. On the other hand, when a person says, I know that everything comes from Hashem, and everything lives from it, and I have no independent existence, and only Hashem is good, and there is no other good outside of Hashem, then Hashem will conduct himself in this way, which is the Mida of Chesed. Completely. And that means verse doesn't sin at all. Now we get the blend. So when does Rachamim, when does mercy come? When you're in the middle, so to speak, where a person initially uh, veers off the true path, he does things that are not proper because of a mistake in his amuna. And now he is returning in tshuva and says, I made a mistake when I thought that I am the one that gets things done. And I made a mistake when I thought that there's something good outside of Hashem. And now I understand what the truth is. And now I want to connect to Hashem. In that situation, of course, the attribute of justice still will claim that we should look at the actions that happen and to punish the person. Ah, but here comes the Midas Harachamim of mercy and says, yes, we have to look at what he did, but it's not enough to look just at what he did. We have to give a good look and look at the source, the inner source for it. Okay, let's look what he did. Fine, but don't leave it at that. Let's go to the inner source. And that inner source, which was a mistaken understanding, he has now regretted that inner source. And now he understands the truth. And now he understands there's no such thing as an independent reality outside of Hashem, but everything is just comes from Hashem. And therefore, justice requires that we have mercy on it because he regrets the source of the sin. And therefore, the primary power of the attribute of mercy is when a person recognizes that he no longer is the person with the power with his independent reality, but rather everything is just the light of Hashem and the person is just a messenger to act below based on the will of Hashem. And when a person wants to live that way and he no longer associates himself with his own success, but he knows that everything is from Hashem, so therefore then we do not go with him and act with him with the attribute of justice that claims to put weight just on the actions that the person did. But since the person recognizes now he's only a messenger of Hashem, so now we weigh the activities different. 
But that's only when a person returns and understands the proper reality. And in footnote Mem Aleph, he says, this is the whole point of us saying the 13 attributes of mercy to arouse God's supernal mercy that Hashem doesn't look only at the actions alone, but at the source of the actions. And even though when we're looking at Mitzad Hadin, when we're looking at the actual judgment, it wouldn't help. But the power of mercy tells us to look deeper. And when the deeper part is good, then Hashem can act with him good. Because the main thing is the inner reality. And how the person now, and that is, the person now understands what was driving him in the inner reality. And now he changes that position in life that he knows it's all from the power of Hashem and therefore Hashem will deal with him with mercy. Got to look at the true inner source which is in the hearts of the Jewish people who really love Hashem and want to do what Hashem and believe in Hashem. So let's just take a, a, a pause for a moment and say, well, when did Hashem introduce the 13 attributes of mercy? When? Historically. Went up to the mountain, but after what event? And serving the golden calf. And if you remember, Moshe said to Hashem, as we mentioned in a Haggadah class long ago from the Shorah Moor, when Moshe says that the Jewish people who you took out of Mitzrayim have sinned. Why do you have to mention who you took out of Mitzrayim? And because remember, the whole taking out of Mitzrayim, Hashem committed himself, put his name on the line to do miracles for the Jewish people. And also, remember, the Jewish people were in Mitzrayim. And you took them out with a lot of money. So let's look at the root. What was the root of their problem? Are the Jewish people really idol worshippers? Are Jews really idol worshippers? No. No. What was the problem? First of all, you put them in Egypt where they learned a lot about idol worship. You're the one who put them there. You're the one who gave them a lot of money. And you're the one who set them up for failure. Okay, let's consider that. So now, why don't we look at the depth? Do you think the Jews really want to rebel against you? Was that the real thing? Okay, maybe they didn't have enough bitachon and you were testing them in a very extreme way. But now if I get them to do tshuva, and they get tshuva, and they now will say, we're, we're, we now understand we made a big mistake, and we want to continue to be with you, Hashem, and we want to continue to be your ambassadors. Then Hashem says, okay, I'll give you the secret, the 13 attributes of mercy. Which, what are the, what's the core of the 13 attributes of mercy? It's not just 13 different ways of describing Hashem's mercy. But it is 13 dimensions of what mercy is. And mercy is looking at the core and judging at the core. And let's see what's going on at the core. Hashem's core of mercy is that that whole point is to look beyond the simple uh, external realities. And there's 13 ways of seeing the inner aspect 
that is able to give um, a favorable judgment on a symbol. One of them is MS, is truth. Is it truth that you should punish people who um, are, were survivors of a terrible Egyptian exile? You expect them to be righteous within forty within uh, 89 days? Isn't that a lot to expect? And then Hashem says, I hear it. Okay, so if the Jewish people will want to commit to the 13 attributes themselves, remember, it's not enough just to say the 13 attributes. You have to commit to the 13 attributes. As he's going to mention shortly, that means when we have to look at other people, how are we going to judge them? And they're going to say, listen, I, I, can, I can give other people a break uh, because I look at what the core of their problem is. So then Hashem says, I could do the same thing too. That's the whole point. The whole point of the 13 attributes of mercy came after such such a terrible sin. It was a terrible sin. In action, it was terrible. But the root could be understood. Now, if they're willing to do tshuva and they're willing to continue to follow me in the desert and they're willing to follow everything I have to say, okay, then we'll be able to continue this relationship. And that then happened next with the building of the Mishkan. And then Hashem tests them again with the building of the Mishkan. Remember, the Mishkan was ready to go Hanukkah time. Hashem said, we're not putting it up. He was waiting to hear how the Jews going to start complaining. Are they going to fall back to that same mistake? We're going to say, listen, last time we didn't wait long enough. This time we'll wait. We're ambassadors of Hashem. We're just waiting to hear what Hashem has said. We, built, we didn't build the Mishkan. Now, if we would have thought we built the Mishkan, we'd say, we're going to build it without Hashem's approval. But if you're understanding that we only built it with Hashem's help, and we are successful because of Him, so we have to wait until He says. And that's what indeed came true. So that's how this Rachamim works in El. And it comes, therefore, as He says, and back on page Mem Zion, he says that if we want to merit that Hashem should conduct himself with us with mercy, we have to act the same way and feel that way and live a life of beetle, of self-negation. And understand that Hashem, everything comes from, he does everything, and we're only tools to bring it out into reality. And with that, you can wipe out the source of all sins. And that's what we that's what he says in footnote membase as we said and therefore we have to conduct ourselves with mercy to other people because if we show cruelty and we show a lack of charitability that comes from the point that we think everything is from us but if you realize that nothing is his then we have a place of forgiveness and kindness that's why it's so important remember in the laws of chuva the rambam says if a person asks you for forgiveness you should forgive him, and he says, and don't be cruel. Don't be cruel and not to forgive. Because Hashem will judge you the same way. You want him to forgive you. Well, why? Because you've changed your attitude. Okay, if you change your attitude, have you changed your attitude towards others? So that is really one of the, the best things you could do, is, is really cut people a lot of slack when you really don't want to. And, but, you know, and it, that's the point, not cut them slack when you want to cut them slack. 
It's got to be when you don't want to cut them slack because they've really hurt you and cutting them slack doesn't make you feel any better. But you're going to say, okay, I'm going to look at the depths of why that person did what he did and perhaps perhaps that depths can change. Maybe I, maybe, maybe I'm part of the problem. Ever consider that maybe you're part of the problem? Why is somebody doing something bad to you? Because maybe he has a certain deficiency that is from you, or um, something that uh, you're just not willing to tolerate. And therefore, we have to realize no one sins in a vacuum. If someone hurts you, there's something with your relationship that needs to be repaired. And you can say, let him repair it. No, no. You're going to repair it. That's the kind of effort that's made because isn't that what we really have, want Hashem to do? We want Hashem. Again, they, we said we did terrible things. How can they be repaired? Only Hashem can repair it. Hashem can undo what we did. So we have to undo, so to speak. That is the greatest avoda in El. And finally, in the last section, Part seven in this third chapter, when he says, Avodas Elo Lemaisa, practical service in Elo, is that we have to live in a proper way, to live with the unity of Hashem, to serve Hashem out of a sense of Beetle, to recognize that the true reality only comes from Hashem, and not to think that I'm making things and I'm successful, but to know that everything is the light of Hashem that illuminates the way. And obviously, in footnote, it's not enough just to say that and to feel that, but you have to change your ways. That, that has to come out of that Amuna Panimis, that inner Amuna. Well, we're all messengers of Hashem, so, and I made a mistake, so I've got to make changes. The changes don't come just I'm making changes out of the ether. I'm making changes out of a philosophical understanding that everything comes from Hashem. And if you really believe that everything is tied up to the unity of Hashem and ultimate bittle, so, therefore, and your actions are just through the will of Hashem. There cannot be any greater lie to say, oh, I, I come to the truth, I recognize all comes from Hashem, and I'm going to not do what Hashem says. No, you have no choice. You're going to do exactly what Hashem says. On the other hand, if, 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 if the person's, the root is now clear that he lives with complete amun and Hashem, and now he immediately is considered about tshuva, we don't ask him to change everything right away, but slowly according to his ability. Because the main thing is really there, and slowly, slowly he repairs it, but not to jump levels more than you're able to at this point. And therefore he says there's a tremendous power on these days to merit mercy, to succeed truthfully, to, to enter into this truth that exists. Because really, a whole year long, a Jew who wants to change and makes efforts to change, it can happen. But now in Elo, the gates are wide open. It's so much easier to live this way. And the more that a person merits to enter into this inner reality with his whole heart, so Hashem will conduct himself according to that inner reality that you firmly believe and live by. And when you come to that inner truth, then all the sins whose roots were by a mistake when you thought incorrectly that things can happen outside of Hashem, then they get wiped out because they've been wiped out at the source. If the source is wiped out, then the action is wiped out. 
And in footnote, he says, we should pay attention. There's two aspects, one within the other. He says, one aspect is that by a person entering into the inner truth, he will merit that Hashem should judge him with mercy and not with justice. The more you live with the inner reality, so too the attribute of mercy is evoked to claim the reality should now come out in the inner reality. And the second aspect is that after that in this truth, they judge him with mercy. So what will really save him is that through the mercy, they check the inner aspects and they check the root of the Avera. And since the person has returned from the roots of the Avera and he regrets it, and the proof is now he begins to live with this Amun and the Yichad Hashem, and he does what Hashem wants, then that mercy now wipes it out. That's the second step, because it gets wiped out. You wipe it out at the source, Hashem wipes it out at the source. So as long as you begin to make this effort, Hashem will judge you with mercy and will wipe it out with mercy. And that is the main avoda that we have in order to merit to recognize the true reality of Hashem and to understand He gives us the power for all our success and there is no other reality but Hashem. And we have to work hard to merit to come to that reality. Whether and how is how are we going to feel that way? It's by learning about this topic as we're doing now, thinking about it, praying that Hashem should help us, that we should be able to see things that way. Hashem, you want us to do tshuva. So help me that my mind can stay focused and I can succeed in thinking this way. And certainly actions that um, bespeak that true attitudinal change. And even though you've got to work with all your might to do this, but it'll all happen when there's a recognition of the true roots that everything comes from Hashem. And all our service is to a nullification and recognition of Hashem. And when you have that kind of bittal, you should have such a joy in your portion because now you realize you don't have to worry. What makes us most sad is that we think we're failures. I wanted something, I didn't get it. But if all you want is what Hashem wants, that always happens. What Hashem wants always happens. Sometimes Hashem wants you to try and to fail. That's what Hashem wants. So then I did what Hashem wanted. Where is unhappiness? Things aren't going the way they should go. But if they're going the way they should go, you should be happy. And they go the way Hashem wants them, and that's always the way it should be. And with that, he ends chapter 3. Now we continue with chapter 4, which is the last chapter about El. So between by tomorrow, we should be finished with the introduction of El. It doesn't end the book, because the next section of the book discusses Rosh Hashanah. So, but uh, again, we'll be away Wednesday and Thursday. There'll be no class. I'll be out of town. So hopefully we'll finish Elul solid. Now he's going into a topic that appears to be very mystical, which you think will be beyond you. But the Tzadik uh, lays it down very carefully that although some of this will be very new and foreign to us, but he'll bring the background, and you may have to even write a few little notes to remind yourself, and maybe put it on your stender. So if I was a really good guy, I'd make the notes for you. 
We'll see if I can. We'll see. The fourth chapter, where he explains the idea of the Yehud. And here we're talking about Yehud, it means names of Hashem that reflects his Yehud. And to give an explanation that fits according to all souls. So he starts off by saying, I'm going to explain a very big thing. And we're hoping with Hashem's help, it'll bring a lot of benefit to people who are trying to grow uh, with a true heart. And that is what he calls explaining the kavanas of the Yehud. Uh, the kavanas, the understandings of this unity names in a way that all people can understand it and how the Arizal opens up the light for the month of Elul with this. And uh, the idea is that there is, uh, of course, we're fighting a very big battle against the Yetzirah. And there are names of Hashem, such as Yud, Kevav, Ke, other names of Hashem. They're called, in Kabbalistic, they're called Yehudim. Unifiers. Poor English translation, but that's all we can say. Yehudim. And, and to think about, yes, like on Rosh Chodesh, a little bit like that, but here we just say it, we don't always understand, but here is going to help us understand it. He says, meditating on these names, because we can't say these names, these are Hashem's names. But if we meditate and think about it, and think about what those names represent, there is a mystical power to them, and it opens up gates that otherwise would not be opened to help us our battle with the Yetzirah. And the, the truth is, anyone who wants to grow, you can think about those holy names in your name, and while you're thinking about it, will arouse your heart to have certain feelings that suit what those names represent. Again, you have to remember that the letters of the Aleph base is the periodic table of all existence. Everything that exists comes from the letters of the Aleph base, the way Hashem put them together in the Torah. And certainly the names of Hashem are very powerful names. Now, if you're somebody like Moshe Rabbeinu, you can even utter those names. We're not allowed to do that. We can only meditate on those names. But these are, are important meditations that the Kabbalists say invoke powers that you cannot have otherwise. Not to verbalize, what? Not to verbalize those names. You can't verbalize. That's Hashem's name. You can't verbalize Yud Hei Vav Hei, for example. You can't say it. You could think it. You could write, have it written down. You could put down what those names mean. You might want to put it on your stender. This will give us information later. When should you be thinking about this? And one time could be at the end of your Amida. Or anytime, just sit for a minute and just think about what the name is and what it represents. And really, that is your tefillah that Hashem should help you in this area. So that name will be for the month? Or? Well, you can really do it with, as we've, if you recall, when we learned other form of this author, I skipped those sections because I felt it was beyond us. Okay, because a lot of them, I, we really didn't have understanding of it and it was way more advanced. Here, for whatever reason, when he's discussing Rosh Hashanah, he gives you the understanding of the Yehud too. For me to just have you do Yehudim and you don't even understand where they're going, it's it's an extra chore. But if the whole point of Elul, as we're explaining, there's a certain mindset we want to cultivate. It's the mindset that's important. And changing a mindset is very difficult. You need help. 
So the Arizal says, if you focus on these names of Hashem and understand what you're asking for when you're focusing on it, it has tremendous metaphysical realities of change. Okay, and that's what, uh, and this is something that any Jew can do. Any Jew can do it. It's not that hard on the simplest level. Now, the great Kabbalists have infinite layers of understanding beyond what we can understand. But every simple Jew is able to understand this. And as the Arizal said, this is the opening for the light that comes in El. Hashem brings special energies in El. They're out there, but you have to know how to access them. If you're not accessing them, as we said in the first class on prayer last week, Hashem gives us the things. It's in the bank. We just have to make a withdrawal. So the same thing, the energies of tshuva are there. They're for anyone to take. But very few people go to the bank and make a withdrawal. Or you don't have the right card, you don't have the right password. Oh, that's the word we're looking for, the password. How, how important is a password nowadays? You could have a million dollars in the bank and you made three mistaken passwords, you can't touch that money, you gotta sit on the phone for an hour or two and even then maybe not get your money. Right? So that idea is, it, these are, look at them as passwords. These are passwords. And if you think about the passwords, what they're saying and what they're meaning, and what the kavana is, that's how you make the withdrawal from the bank, and then you'll be able to do the behaviors that are, we find so difficult to do. So again, this is what we call something beyond what our rational intellect can absorb, because we only like to do things that make sense to our brains. The Kabbalists say you gotta believe there's something beyond what your sense can do, and the names of Hashem have extreme power. So he begins with, the, so he says specifically, there's three names of Hashem that we should focus on. And if he's first going to tell us what the Yichud is, and we're not going to get past that today, and then what the depth of the Yichud is, what you should think about in the Yichud, and that's where the real changes are taking place. So the first shade he's going to talk about is the name of Hashem, yud Hey vav Hey. But as we said, all these letters, these names of letters, they have what we call a milui, um, a full expression of the letter. So for example, yud and hey and vav and hey, there's a way you can spell yud, there's a way you can spell hey, a way you can spell vav, and a way you spell hey. So you spell yud, how does yud spell? Yud, vav, dalit spells yud. Okay, the gematria of Yud Vav Dalit is 20. Hey, hey can be done in a few ways. It could be Hey Aleph, it could be Hey Yud. So this Yichud is Hey Yud, which is 15. Vav can be spelled in three ways. Vav Vav, Vav Yud Vav, and Vav Aleph Vav. He suggests the Vav Aleph Vav, which is another 15. So what are we up to already? Uh, we're up to... Uh, 20 and, I'm sorry, it's 13. Vav Aleph Vav is 13. So we're up to uh, 48. 48. And then Hey again is Hey Yud. That's 15. That comes out the Mili of Yud Hey Vav Hey this way is 63. 
63. So that is one of the Yehudim that you'll contemplate on Yud, Hey, Vav, Hey, spelled in a certain way, comes out to 63. Another name of Hashem is the Eh, Yeh, Aleph, Hey, Yud, Hey. It's one of Hashem's name. And when you fill it out, Aleph is Aleph, Lamed, Fe, which is 111. Hey, Hey, Yud is 15. Yud, Yud, Vav, Dalet is 20. And Hey, Yud is 15. It's 161. So this is called this is called the name the sixty three name of Hashem is Yud Hey Vav Hey the way we explained it, and the eh, Yeh is the name of one sixty one, and there's uh, and both of these when they come out together, uh, there is now one that once you have those two you want to bond them with a third one, and that is again the Yud Hey Vav Hey. But this time done in a different way. No, yud is yud vav dal here. Hey is hey hey instead of hey yud. Vav is vav vav and not vav aleph vav. And hey is hey hey, which comes out to 52. So there's a yud hey vav hey with a 52 fill. So 63, 161, and 52. Those are the ones you need to know and have kavana them. Now that alone is not going to make you a better person. Just knowing a numerical value is not going to make you a better person. You got to know what those names represent in Hashem and what those gematrias represent. And that's what he begins in the next section. We got about two, three minutes. We'll just begin. But that's the real critical point. So now, what does this name represent? What is the Yud Hey, Vav Hey, with Amilui when I fill it out as 63? What is that telling me? It's telling us that the that name, and you focus on that, and you're supposed to believe and internalize that all reality depends on Hashem. Hashem is the entire reality of all existence. And you may know that as a fact, but don't live that way in a reality. That's the challenging part. When you look at the letters, Yud, Hey, Vav, Hey, and with their Milui that come out to 63, that's the part of Hashem that says, Every reality is Hashem's and only Hashem's. It will explain why, but just as brief. The Aleph, Hey, Yud, Hey, which is literally in English means I will be, but that teaches us that we should yearn and be on fire to serve Hashem. How that's so, we'll explain that a little bit later. Okay? But the person wants to serve Hashem. He wants to grow and serve Hashem. Okay? And since its milui is 161, as we said, kuf samach aleph has the same letters as asak in Aramaic means to go up. So 161 is asak, to go up. You want to be on fire. You want to go up. So on the one hand, everything is Hashem. Everything is Hashem. Now here comes the apparent contradiction. But I want to grow like crazy. And now that you have those two points, so, so what, what, what you have over here, we have to combine those two, which seem to be a little contradictory. On the one hand, everything's from Hashem. What does that require? Bitol hayesh, we have to nullify ourselves to realize everything's got Hashem and I have no significance at all. And Hashem is totally taking care of me. On the other hand, I have to have, a, and, and usually if you think, well, everything's got Hashem, well, what do I have to bother doing anything? No, you have to be on fire to do the will of Hashem. And those two simultaneous feelings will illuminate the third. 
which is the yud hey vav hey the other way that comes out to 52 that shows the acceptance of the yoke of heaven of Hashem. And that's what the job of a Jew is, to accept upon himself an Elul, to work on these three levels, to be a servant of Hashem, to accept the yoke of Hashem, which is the one name of Hashem, and the way your avoda is supposed to be is on the one hand to totally nullify before Hashem, and the other hand is to be excited and to do a lot, and we have to resolve that contradiction. This is just the tipping point to what we'll conclude tomorrow, and this should be one of the yuchurim that we should spend time on in the month of El. Okay,